In the text this morning, 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 9 to 20, reads like this. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city. And they told them, saying, We went to the Syrian camp, and surprisingly, no one was there, not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied, and the tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out, and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king arose in the night and said to his servants, let me now tell you what the Syrians have done. They know that we are hungry. Therefore they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Please let several men take of the remaining horses which are left in the city. Look, they may either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed, I say, they may they may become like all the So let us send, send them and see. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan. And indeed, all the road was full of garments and weapons, which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a seah of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the, gate, the king had appointed the officer, on whose hand he leaned, to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened, just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seahs of barley for a shekel, and a seah of fine flour for a shekel, shall be sold tomorrow, about this time, in the gate of Samaria. Then the officer had answered the man of God and said, now look, if the Lord would make the windows of windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. You think about good news, and have you ever just had something that you wanted to tell somebody, and you just couldn't wait to tell that? That happened to me yesterday. Um, I have another example that I'm going to give you in a second. But last night, I, as many of you men understand, in the middle of the night, I, I needed one of those midnight snacks. You know what I mean? You ever, that happened to any other guy besides me where you need a midnight snack. And so I didn't want to wake anybody up, so I got up and, and, and I went downstairs. And I usually go to bed uh, quite early. I've been asleep for a while. And... And now I woke up and I needed to go downstairs and get some chocolate milk. And as I go downstairs, um, I see that one of my children has fallen asleep in the middle of something 
couch. You know, they've got it like in their lap and they're just kind of, and I'm, I'm like, this kid's just asleep and gone and everything's still, gone. but they're just gone. They're asleep. So I tell him to get upstairs and I go on, I get my chocolate milk and I head back upstairs and I sneak upstairs and it was just the funniest thing. I wanted to tell Michelle. And so I sat there and I, and she doesn't, she doesn't know this. She doesn't even know I'm going to tell this or that this happened at all. I sit there and go, Michelle, Michelle, are you awake? Because I wanted to tell her this story. <laughs> she's fast asleep. And I'm like, I wonder if she's awake or not. And so I'm sitting there, and I want to, I can't fall asleep because I want to tell her this story about the kid just falling asleep in the middle of something downstairs. But she wasn't awake. And I thought to my, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I'll tell her in the morning. Do you think I remembered to tell her this morning? Nope. But I really wanted to. When I go upstairs, I wanted to tell her that. But anyways, sometimes we have good news that we want to tell. And sometimes even good news can come with tragedy like we see here. I remember almost 18 years ago on September 10th, 2001, Michelle and I found out that we were going to be parents for the first time. Silas hadn't come around, but uh, he was about to. It was coming. And on September 10th, we, we told our parents and were excited to do that. Michelle's parents were thrilled. My mother was terrified and let us know that. But um, she thought Silas wouldn't make it to age two or something like that. And, but he did, and she got to see it. We're very thankful for that. Um, but then September 11th came and I remember like we were going to tell our friends, we, me and Michelle were so excited and we were going to pass that news along. And the very next day was September 11th, 9-11. And I'll never forget when we found out that Silas was coming into this world because the very next day that happened. And so all that good news and excitement that we had changed as we sit and we watch this tragedy for the rest of the day. And I, I, I put that example in here, and I think about the story of what's happening here in the Syrian camp. These guys, these lepers, they say, what we are doing is not right. Um... Matt, is that the first slide? Okay. That's not the first slide on that. Oh, oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. What we are doing is not right. Don't bury the gospel. Don't. If you have good news, the good news that God has changed your life, don't bury it. Don't uh, hide it. Think what these guys, you know, we got to go and we got to tell someone. We have to, we have to let them know. What's going on? Uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb is not an exclusive banquet that no one can come to. The invitation has been put out for everyone. Now, will everyone come? No. Not everyone will accept the invitation that Christ has given to the world. But God has given good news to the whole world. And we're not to keep that to ourselves. We're supposed to go out and we're supposed to share it. 
Heaven was created by God for everyone. And he is not willing that any should perish. And he wants all to come to repentance. We, we, we have a meal coming up on Saturday, and there's these little flyers that we like you to give out and like to invite anybody to come and have hamburgers and hot dogs. And there are some people that are going to come in the door just because, oh, it's a free meal at the church. I'll go. And they'll get their hamburgers and their hot dogs and their, their macaroni salad, and they'll enjoy the day. What I really hope is that an invitation like that would help let someone see that the same kind of invitation is available to everyone. That God has won victory over sin and death and hell. And that there is good news that Jesus Christ has won the victory. And today you can experience salvation and new life in Christ before it's too late. I've got a couple of verses I'd like us to look at that came from the text that we read this morning in our responsive scripture reading. And that's from Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And in verse 24 to verse 30, the same chapter, it says, Therefore your gift... Um, excuse me, I don't think I wanted that verse. I think I want in Matthew chapter 25. Excuse me. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 25. In verses 24 to 30 it says, Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where you have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited your money with the bankers, and at the coming I would have received back my own with, with interest. So take the talent from him. And give to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he, he will have an abundance. But for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As I think about this passage, these passages of scripture. We have been given good news. Of the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility. To pass that news. On to a lost and dying world. I find it interesting that these men. They went back to the world that they had left. I, I would absolutely. 
love it. If we could just stay in these walls all the time, talk with our Christian brothers and sisters, uh, have fellowship with them, eat all our meals together, and enjoy life in Christ. But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we need to go out and we need to interact with the world. We were saved out of that world. We were, there's a famous quote that we've heard often many, many, many times. Dealing with us Christians, and one that's as true as the day it was first said. We as Christians are one satisfied beggar telling other hungry beggars where they can find free bread. And we are responsible as Christians to make sure that if we have found new life in Christ and we claim it to be abundant and free and we find peace, we find fulfillment, we found this life to be refreshing and new. We are to go out and tell others where they can find that salvation too. They went back to the world which they had come from. In John chapter 17, I'd like you to turn there. In John chapter 17, Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. And as He prepares to go to the cross, I love how as he's getting ready to lay down his life on our behalf. To be, he knows what's coming. He knows he's going to be beaten. His body is going to be torn apart. His focus that night was on his disciples. And he talked to them about, about what they would experience, the greater things that he would leave them. He prays for them. He prays for you. He prays for me. And in the most important time in all of human history, Jesus Christ getting ready to die for the sins of mankind, to take hell on our behalf and pay for our sins, to be separated, to, to have His Father turn His back on Him, to endure the pain and agony that we deserve, Jesus prays. In John chapter 17, we read this prayer of Jesus where He prays for Himself as He's about to face the cross. He talks about eternal life. He prays for His disciples. And He prays for the believers who would come after after them. When verse 15 to 19, Jesus says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of, not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may be sanctified by the truth. As Jesus Christ sanctifies us and changes us, into the image of His Son. He has chosen not to take us directly to heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome? And we thank and we praise the Lord often for those who have gone before us and who are now rejoicing in heaven. And some of us long for the day that we will be with that loved one. 
to worship the Lord with them. But God has us here still on this world for some reason. And that reason is that He chose not to take us out of the world because we have a purpose. Because like these lepers, we have a city behind us that is starving. And we need to tell them there is good news. God has done something amazing and you can take part in it today if you choose to. And we need to be out and telling people exactly what God has done. We need to tell them of the enormous spiritual privilege. The, the no, enormous spiritual privileges that God has given to us. It is our spiritual responsibility to do that. The Christian message, the message of the cross, the messenger of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true and it works. And we need to pass that message on to other people. The lepers became witnesses. Witnesses tell what they have experienced. What they have seen, what they have heard, what they have sometimes tasted. What God has done in our lives. What have you seen God do? You need to share that with the world. What have you heard God do? You need to share that with others. Did God change your life? You need to change, share that experience. Has God answered a prayer of yours? Has He done amazing things for you? You need to pass that message along. It's very, very important that we be doing that. But in that story, remember I talked about how I was so excited to tell about finding out that I was going to have a child and and wanted to tell everybody. Then 9-11 happened. In this story, the beggars come back, the lepers come back, and they're telling everybody what had happened. And we see this skeptic. He says, it's a trap! If we go out there, if we, we go, you know, they left that food there as bait. And if we go out there, they're going to, the enemy is going to pounce on us. And we're going to, it's a trap. Don't do it. Don't go. I think about that. And the world says, don't believe the lie that the Christians are telling you. Don't follow Christ. You won't find him to be true. There are some people that even if they hear the good news, that Christ has left us with, they won't believe. They won't listen. And the sad part of the story is that people that have heard the good news, they know that it, it, they have been told and people have witnessed that it's out there. They will refuse to believe. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 9, it says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they may be condemned, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The truth, I believe, is that God opened the heavens in this story back in 2 Kings. And I believe that today God has opened the heavens 
on His people. He has provided us salvation. He has promised us new life in Christ. The, the promise of an indwelling Holy Spirit. Daily prayer. He has promised us that we can find power and victory over sin and fellowship of believers. And He has opened the heavens with His grace. And it's true. And it's abundant and it's for you. And so many of us have experienced that. And we can attest to the fact that all has come to pass. Everything that God has promised, He has done. At the end of Joshua's life, in Joshua chapter 21 and verse 45, in Joshua 21 and 45, the end of his life, this is what he has to say. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. The testimony that I have to you today is that in my life, and I hope in yours too, and I hope that you could stand up and say, God has been faithful. Not one word of the Bible that which God has promised has not come to pass. As I as I talk to Christians and unbelievers who have lived a long life, you know one thing I've never heard a Christian say? Oh, this Christian life wasn't what I signed up for. I regret having lived that Christian life. Never heard a Christian say that. A, a, a person who has faithfully followed the Lord's Lord all their life. I've heard I've heard a lot of Christians say, God has been faithful. God has been good. His grace has carried me through. Amen, right? Not one word has failed. I have heard people say, I wish I would have followed Christ sooner. I have heard people say, I, I wish I would have given my life to Christ and I, I wish I would have lived for Him. Truth is, is that there was that skeptic who said, it's a trap! Who said, unless God opens the heaven, I don't think that this could happen. Think about what happened to him. His unbelief led to death. He was trampled in the rush of those who were running to new life. He was unwilling to hear the truth. That's a sad commentary of a life that could have been different. And today, you're, all of us are given this choice. I'm telling you, everything that God has promised to me, God has given me in abundance. Everything that this book has said, I found to be true. And today, I offer it to all of you. I say that same Jesus Christ who had the enemy flee and provided victory at the cross that we talked about is offered to you. Don't be like this skeptic who says it's a lie. If you go out there, it's a trap. The only, the only thing that can keep you from accepting that free Salvation 
is unbelief. Sin separates us from God forever. But Christ died and gave victory. We talked about that in communion this morning. How he paid for our sins on the cross. And he wants to open heaven and pour out abundantly his grace, his mercy, his spirit, his new life, his salvation to you. Listen to the words of John chapter 13, verses 14 and 19. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not have should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's the good news. Don't be the skeptic. Don't be the unbeliever. Because the verses 18 and 19 are a warning to the unbeliever. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. As we read this passage of Scripture, the majority of the people in this room, we are on our way to heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we can't wait to get there. As a matter of fact, Many of us, we are running as fast as we can on our way to glory. This journey is just a few more days, and we can't wait. We long for heaven. Don't be the unbeliever who says it's a trap. Don't be left behind. Don't be trampled by your unbelief. It's a warning for today. I've got good news for you. Jesus Christ died. He provided you salvation. And He's opened the heavens with His grace. Run to Him today. Don't be left behind. Don't let your unbelief get in the way. Let's pray. Dear Only Father, I pray, Lord, today for the unbeliever who may be sitting here. Lord, the testimony, the witness of countless people in this room is that You have opened the heavens, through the victory you won on the cross. You have poured out salvation and grace, and it's free for all. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, they have not believed, that today you will not let the, their unbelief get in the way, but you will let them run to the riches of your grace the salvation that can be found by your blood which you paid for on Calvary. Lord, I pray for the salvation of the lost sinner. In Jesus' name, amen.